the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Tired of the negative news and flash over substance? It's time for Today with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and Ph.D. with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamlined, news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick and my co-host Larry Dersham and I have a fabulous show for you tonight. You won't believe who we have as our guest. Larry, who do we have on the line? John Paul McIsaac was born into a military family in 1976. With a visual impairment related to his albinism, he found escape in the creation of computer graphics. He later moved on to fixing Macs and worked at an Apple store in northern Delaware until he decided to open up his own Apple repair shop in 2010. It was at this store that he became caught up in the Hunter Biden laptop scandal. Now his life has been forever changed. He's just come out with a new book about this experience titled America uh, excuse me, American Injustice, My Battle to Expose the Truth, that we're going to be discussing tonight. Thank you, John Paul, for joining the program this evening. Well, evening. Thank you for having me on the show. John Paul, you know, I, everyone knows you in connection with, uh, you're the guy that came into possession of Hunter Biden's laptop. Um, not some, not a case of somebody dropping off a piece of dry cleaning and then forgetting it. This was something a lot more significant than that. But I do have to say, I, I read your resume and I understand you've got an entirely different side creatively. I understand one of your passions is to film and archive airmen from World War II through Vietnam. I would love to know in just maybe a minute, well, what that was about and how that sort of um, works into the incredible resume you have otherwise. Well, uh, so I come from a military family. Both my grandfathers were pilots in World War II. Uh, a lot of my relatives are either active duty or retired. So it's kind of like the family profession. And unfortunately, with my visual impairment, I could never serve my country in that capacity. Uh so I did the next best thing, and that was I, I started, I don't know, I've been doing this for about 25 years, uh, filming uh, vets to preserve and archive their history uh, to honor their stories. And it's basically over the years has become my what I call my vacation. I, I chase down uh, multiple groups uh, that get together every year and for their reunions, and I, I tag along and I archive their history and their, their oral and uh video history uh, to preserve it, because unfortunately, history can not always be told correctly, so we have to rely upon the people that were actually there. So that's I, I terrific. The, the high point of my year each year. Uh, John mm. Paul, just briefly, could you, for the listeners that don't know the story uh, behind the Hunter Biden laptop, could you tell us briefly how you came into possession of the Hunter Biden laptop, how you discovered there were files on the computer that you thought that the FBI needed to take a look at? Sure. 
Uh, it was April 12, 2019, uh, about 10 minutes before closing. Hunter came into my shop with three liquid-damaged laptops that he wanted to get the data off of. One was a complete write-off. The second one only required uh, the keys or a keyboard to get in. And, and keep in mind, I felt bad for the guy because his brother had died a couple of years prior. Uh, one of the laptops had a Biden sticker. So I just assumed that this was his deceased brother's laptop, and he just wanted to get the memories off of it. Unfortunately, the third machine, which I was able to check in, which later became the laptop from hell, uh, I realized during the data recovery process uh, that this was not Joe Biden's laptop. This is, in fact, Hunter's laptop, and it was pretty gross. Yeah, you know, one of the things I know you did after that is try to get this material to the FBI. And I'm just wondering, you know, in the movies, you see somebody just like picking up the phone and then agents are at the door. What was the process like when you recognized, oh, no, this is really much more than you bargained for being dropped off? How did you end up getting the FBI involved? So I was by the end of the summer of 2019, I was convinced uh, that the criminality that I'd seen on this laptop needed to get to the authorities. And I did not trust the, the FBI. Uh, Roger Stone's office, her house was raided that prior January, and we had all witnessed the three years of the Mueller investigation. So I was very apprehensive, but I knew that this is what the FBI existed to do. This is their purpose. And I had to go through it. I didn't trust them. That's why I made a backup. But I sent my father to reach out to the Albuquerque FBI office to alert them to the existence of the laptop and try to get me some level of protection laptop out of my shop. And that's when the, our first experience with a weaponized FBI occurred. Uh, they told my father to lawyer up, get out of the office, don't talk about these things. And uh, basically, my father, a 31-year colonel in the Air Force, retired, wanted one thing from his government, and that was to provide his son some level of protection. And they, they kicked mm -hmm. him out instead. So it, about a month later, the FBI approached him again, came to my home. I tried to give him a laptop again. They refused to take it. It wasn't until December 9th that they actually came to my shop with a subpoena. I don't think they had ever handed somebody a subpoena that was so overjoyed to, to receive it. Uh, I, I, was getting, I was getting everything I wanted. It was, the laptop was out of my shop, and I had a phone number I could call should somebody come looking for it. Unfortunately, when I cracked a joke at the end saying, don't worry, lads, I'll leave your name out of the book when I write it, that's when Agent Mike turned around and uh, told me that in his experience, nothing ever happens to people that talk about these things. So <sighs> I, I, I still had my fingers crossed this laptop would materialize uh, during the impeachment trial because from what I had seen on it, it would have exonerated President Trump from the, the impeachment. Uh, when it never did, I realized that the, uh, the FBI cared more about protecting the Bidens than acting on the criminality on that laptop, let alone protecting me. Yeah. And I mm. sent my father and uncle to reach out to members of Congress to alert them to not only now the existence of the laptop, but also the behavior of the FBI. Unfortunately, this was during the height of the pandemic, and I, I think because Congress was so fearful of Russian disinformation, our, our cries for help fell on deaf ears. And it wasn't until August that I finally traded my fear for courage and, uh, and approached Rudy Giuliani because of the way I figured it. I tried to go into the Justice Department. I tried going to Congress. The next step was to go into the executive branch. So I reached out to mm. Rudy Giuliani's office and uh, said, and, and actually got somebody who responded and wanted to, and it felt like they wanted to drive and, and wanted to act on the criminality that was there. So I overnighted on August 28th, uh, 
2020, a copy of The Drive to Rudy, and I, I thought I was done, but uh, that didn't happen. Wow. Hey, very recently, uh, the former Defense Intelligence Agency Deputy Director and former Senior CIA Operations Officer Douglas Wise became a whistleblower, and he admitted that the emails found on the Hunter Biden laptop, which you had in your possession, were real. They were not Russian disinformation, as they said, but yet they had an open letter where he and 50 other former intelligence agency officers said that it was Russian disinformation, but now they're saying, well, it's not. But I, in my opinion, I think that may have thrown the uh, 2020 election away from Trump because of that 51 former intelligence agencies uh, declaring that it's Russian disinformation. And, of course, the left-wing media jumped right on that and said, yes, Russian disinformation. Does that exonerate you? How do you feel about that? Well, I mean, obviously I feel a little bit vindicated, but I think the, the damage is done and they can't get away with it is the more important thing. We have to hold these people accountable. That's why I wrote the book so that, you know, social media – took my, my version of truth and buried it underneath this notion that I'm a Russian agent and I was trying to overturn the election. And that can't go down in history. I won't allow it. But for all of us, we, we suffered the effects of a collusion between our, our alphabet agencies, our intelligence community, our social and mainstream media. All these things that we're supposed to trust and put our faith into betrayed the country. And that needs to end. And I'm hoping that between my lawsuits, continuing my fight and not giving up and not rolling over, uh, not succumbing to the death threats and the, and the other threats, it's, I think that if, if we can demonstrate we're willing to hold people accountable, maybe they won't try to get away with it again. How can our listeners pick up a copy of your new book, American Injustice, My Battle to Expose the Truth? Uh, it's available. I heard it's even at Target. Um, I, <laughs> yeah, it's at it's at Amazon, and if you don't like Bezos, I guess you can get it at uh, which one? Barnes and Noble or Borders? One of those closed down. I don't know. I'm blind. People aren't very good readers, so I don't really go to bookstores. Oh, you know, you and, know, and you've I, really made it in life when you have something sold at Target or your own Wikipedia page, which I'm uh, assuming you probably do as well. Um, I am guessing we are nearing the end of the show, but um, you oh, did we, mention... Yeah, we have we have two more minutes, but uh, if I could ask a quick question. So you had this great computer repair shop in Wilmington, Delaware. Are you still operating there, or did you have to literally close down your business and move away because of the death threats and so forth? What's your life like now? And yeah, what's the status of your, what's going on with you personally? Well, I had to close the business and get out of town for about a year. Uh, the threats were too high. I had Wilmington police parked in front of my shop the whole time, but it was just getting scarier and scarier. So it was advised that I just put as much distance between the Bidens and, and, and myself as humanly possible. So I hid out in Colorado for a year. Closed my business, tried to start a new business up. Unfortunately, somebody got on social media and said that he'll steal your data and give it away and da da da. So that didn't go too far. Uh, I'm I'm doing anything I can to stay alive during all this. My friends set up a business go for me, so uh, that's helped to get me out of the brink of bankruptcy and and it helps me in my to continue my fight. So I'm doing whatever I can. Uh, I'm hoping that. The people I've worked with at Congress for the last six months, they're going to be able to take the reins soon, and I can, I can start rebuilding my life. That's great. So yeah, American Injustice, My Battle to Expose the Truth. Great book, folks. And I'm sorry, Wendy, go ahead. 
You know, one of the um, things that we did have a chance to talk to you about before we went on air is how much you have been cooperating with Congress. And I, I can't imagine what it's like. I know that you, you talk a lot to the lawyers, but you become more involved in the, the, the American political system than you probably ever imagined. But um, anyway, thank you so much for joining us. It's been just delightful speaking with you. News cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Welcome back to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick and Larry Gershman and I have another great guest for you for the second half. Larry, who do we have on the line? Yes, Wendy. Today we have Sarah Stevens on and she recently ran for governor uh, against Gavin Newsom and she is involved with an amazing organization called Make California Gold Again. So welcome to the program, Sarah. It's so good to have you on today. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. Sarah, it's uh, almost ironic that we're having you talk about making California gold again. I would say we should talk about making California green again because it's been raining so much lately. We're seeing that actually the, the, the hillsides that have been yellow and brown for years are actually green. But I digress. So thank you so much and welcome to the program. Uh, let me start with probably one of the most interesting questions that our listeners may have about you. What was it like to run for governor against Gavin Newsom? Oh, wow. Well, honestly, it was something that I never thought I would ever do, but it was actually really exciting, and um, it was definitely very challenging, very hard, because um, there's just so much involved with running for office. And especially when you know the level of corruption that is here in California, um, you know, it's a task that maybe not all people are willing to take on, but I was willing to take it on because I see um, the need of the state to turn around and I see the hearts of the people that are just so um, crying out for a new life in the state. Yeah, Sarah, tell us a little bit about your organization, Make California Gold Again. Did you start that? Are you the president of it? And, and what does it do and how long has it been around? Yes, yeah, so I'm actually the founder, my husband and I are the founders of Make California Gold Again, and it actually was birthed through me running for office, running for governor, and we have this whole vision, and we still do, and we're carrying it out, actually, as we speak, but basically, we have a vision to make the state not just gold again, um, but shine and become more beautiful and amazing than it's ever been before, and um, people say, well, that sounds so amazing, but how do we make that really happen? And um, and so what we have been in full force doing is we're in the process of completely redeeming the culture of California. And that basically encompasses so many different of the, you know, the mountains. I don't know if you guys have heard of the seven mountains, but we have to basically take back control of California, whether it's like um, through faith. We have to take back California in the political realm, in the education realm, you know, in the social realm, um, what's going on with the homeless. And so we literally have both volunteers in so many different walks of life from the people making movies in Hollywood to people out helping get the homeless off the street to um, we have volunteers that go to the school board meetings, people that are running for office. So we have a very well-rounded team of passionate men and women of faith that are just believing God to save California and to make it beautiful and shine again. 
Wow, that is a tall order. That is a, a, a lot of really great information. You know, um, having lived here my whole life, same with, same with Larry, I think, he can tell me if I'm wrong about that, but as native Californians, we're always interesting, it's always interesting to hear about over the years, what issues have really sort of risen to the top in terms of what people care about? If you had to, you know, name a couple of the top issues on the minds of California voters today, um, what would they be? Well, I think that, um, you know, school, basically school choice, caring about what our kids are being taught in schools, I think that's definitely one of them. Um, also, just the simple fact of how to put food on the table, our taxes are through the roof. <laughs> um, just the financial system of all of the money that's being stolen every year is just makes people sick because they can't even afford to feed their families. So I really think that, um, and then at this point, you know, people really do care about their faith more than I think they've ever cared before. And um, so I think those are definitely some of the main issues. Is this organization, Make California Gold, is it a statewide organization? Is it, does it go beyond the state or is it, and then where are you based out of? Yes, so we actually have volunteers as far as Sacramento and San Francisco up in Northern California, all the way down to San Diego. And so we're in the process of rebuilding and redeveloping, rebranding, make California gold again. And um, and so our home base, I actually, I'm, I was a native San Diegan, born and raised, lived there until I was 21. <laughs> but currently our home base is in Riverside County. And I would say predominantly most of our volunteers are actually out of L.A. County. Um, and that could be because of how much corruption there is in L.A., but there's so many conservatives that are fighting back. And it's just it's such a breath of fresh air to see um, the people that are raising up in this hour in California history. And I believe that this is the time that God is molding and shaping his leaders, his people, to do a great and mighty work. And Cal- there's no way that California is done. We have not even seen the brightest days in California yet. Um, we just have to keep believing in faith and working very hard to that goal. And I know that this entire state is going to turn around and we will be able to lead the nation again. You know, it's so interesting hearing you, you know, talk about all of this because you're right. Most of the press that California gets is bad press and people are leaving and the taxes are too high and this, that and the other. But you actually have the opposite vision as, you know, there are, it's a it's an abundance of, of riches, if you will, if, if we know how to tap into what's important to the residents. And you've mentioned, you know, faith, family, community, and you have really inspiring ideas. Who wouldn't want encouragement that they live in the right place? What are your plans um, politically to to showcase your message in the future? Are you going to run for office again? And if so, is it going to be governor or you have your eye on something else? Yes. So for me personally right now, I believe that uh, God has called me to spearhead this movement to empower, encourage, and equip people on all the different, basically the seven mountains of influence here in California. So for people like um, I have friends right now that are running for office, and I can't begin to tell you, some of our friends, we um, basically breathed so much life into them and kept encouraging them, you know, just keep going, keep going. And at one point, one of our friends down in San Diego connected with some of our other friends. They put this whole network together, and in the last election, they had over 44 people elected from city council, school board, you name it, and all these different offices. So... Um, I believe that my calling is to just encourage and inspire people to be who they're called to be and to do what God has called them to do. And um, so I am kind of like 
basically the, the mega cheerleader <laughs> to help unlock people's dreams and to support them from A to Z on whatever that is. If they're starting a nonprofit, if they're going to go make a movie to transform out Hollywood, if they're going to be running for office, um, that is my job. And we're raising up leaders in all these different areas so that we can have the biggest impact. Yeah, I, I have a bunch more questions I'm going to ask you if we have time. But before we you know, end this segment, I want to make sure we get your website in. So what is that great website for your organization? Yes. Yeah, so people can go online to www.makecaliforniagoldagain.com. Okay, excellent. Okay, so going back to... What would you say people need to do in, that live in this state? I know we've lost a lot of people. A lot of people are moving out of the state. But we who want to stay here, we want to reclaim this state. What would you recommend? I know one of the first things, of course, would be to make sure you're registered to vote and then to vote. Yeah. But after that, what can people do? Run for office? What do you recommend? Okay. There is such a list of what people can do, it's absolutely unbelievable. So, for example, we have a team of people that goes out to Skid Row where most people don't ever want to go, right? Because they're afraid to be crying or this or that. But so we have a team of people that goes out to Skid Row and they help the homeless. We partner with churches and we actually give people the opportunity to get off the street. Um, so I would encourage people, if you are believing God to save California, get involved in some way, shape, or form. Contact us. Because what we're doing is putting together these teams of people that are doing, um, basically, they're going out there on the streets, they're getting people registered to vote, they're helping homeless get off the street. We have people who are trying to um, impact um, media. For example, we have a team of people that are being out in um, Hollywood or Culver City this weekend with a movie premiere of a movie that's going to be Hollywood, and it's called um, Break Down, Power Up. So literally, um, please get involved. There are so many ways people can run for office. Even if they don't want to run for office, they can contact us and we can point them to someone that they can help support in their campaign. They can go walk door to door for someone. Um, they can get involved in a nonprofit. We have a whole nonprofit side of what we're doing. Um, they can go home and raise money to save California. They can become a researcher for us. There is so many ways. There are so many ways that people can get involved in saving the state, and it just takes one decision. And that's what I really want to encourage people on the phone today. Like, you know, instead of just looking at the problems, if we can look at the solutions and just put our feet to the fire um, and do our little part, because each and every one of us were gifted with different gifts and talents, and if people can just step into that, that is when we are going to save California together. This is a team effort. It's not a one-person show. It's going to take all of us to save the state. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm wondering how did you come up with this? It's almost like um, you know, a friend of mine has a, a Happy Mondays column in one of the local periodicals because most people don't like Mondays. You really came up with a way to sort of um, turn this around, turn the bad press into the silver lining, which is um, near and dear to my heart. That's my portion of the show. You know, we only have about a minute left, but you know, how, how what really, if there was one incident, really uh, inspired you to start this, make California gold again? Because I I just believe that God can do anything. And that's what, when, um, I'll just make it really quick. When the shutdown happened, my husband and I had our church. I was doing all these events to help veterans, military, and first responders. 
and in the, of a moment, everything was taken from us. And I said, there's no way that we're going to let some <laughs> evil government take away our freedom. And so that is what inspired me and encouraged me to believe that God can do anything and that um, it's time for the Christians to raise up and that we can not only save California, but we can save America, but it takes an act of faith and obedience. And that's what the Bible says, and we will inherit the promises. So we're believing God for that. Amen. You know what? That's a perfect ending to the show. That is the silver lining to all of this, isn't it? So we want to thank our listeners. You've been listening to Today with Dr. Wendy. It has been a pleasure. We hope you'll join us next weekend, same time Saturday night for Headlines the Silver Lining. Have a great week and God bless you. Thank you for joining us for Today with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.